Episode 25 of The Passive Hang. Remember, if you haven't already, check out thepassivehang.com where I'm building it up to be a resource for all you crazy movement enthusiasts. I've started with the Library of Locomotion, which features tips and tutorials on movements to get you started with that locomotion practice. Check it out now, thepassivehang.com. Thanks everyone once again for joining in to another episode of The Passive Hang. We're at episode 25 and today I have Jenny Steep. Is that how I pronounce it? Yeah. Who is from Newcastle. Um, yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so Jenny and I, yeah, we met um, last year when I took a trip up to the Movement Collective, which was, yeah, an, a really awesome trip. And it was, um, yeah, it was good to connect. So it's good to have you on the podcast. Yeah, it's awesome to see you again. Uh, even though it's not face-to-face, it would have been good to hang out face-to-face. But with everything that's happening, we'll just do it online. Yeah. So just for all the listeners um, here, I guess, do you want to put uh, give a brief bit of background as to who you are and what you're doing at the moment? Yeah, sure. So uh, I run a gym with my partner, Rod, called the Movement Collective in Newcastle. Um, so I help run, run the business and also I am a teacher there as well. So uh, that's really fun. And then some other stuff that I do on my own. I just launched a beginner's handstand course online. Um, I originally had other plans for this year, but because of everything that happened with coronavirus, I wanted to um, be a part of the online stuff and have something that I could offer to people online. I know a lot of people are kind of stuck in their houses at the moment and they can't go anywhere. And um, handstands is such a great thing to learn at home because really all you need is a wall and a floor and you're on your way. Um, So that's something that I'm working on and um, running some women's retreats this year as well. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. Always, always busy. Um, And I guess with the, you know, the running of the movement collective and stuff, I know uh, you've sort of briefly brought it up before where, you know, this, this wasn't actually like your, your thing before, right? You weren't always like a mover or, or, or into movement. Yeah. What's been that sort of journey into this whole world? Yeah, it's been a, a really big, crazy journey. Um, so originally, uh, well, before I started movement, um, when I first started movement, I was working um, in the mining industry and it was, it was interesting. Like I, I ended up there because I just thought that to be happy, I needed to make money. I needed to just have money and, you know, have houses and have cars. And, you know, I, I got to that point where I was really financially stable, but I wasn't really happy. There's something kind of missing from my life. Um, I like to describe it as kind of feeling a little bit bland and, there's probably a lot of reasons why I felt felt when like I was working a job that I really didn't actually enjoy. I was just kind of there for the money. And then um, a few other things that made me feel bland. I think um, the just suppressing some childhood emotions, mm-hmm. um, the contraceptive pill makes women feel bland. Um, that's a whole other can of worms, but I think it's worth mentioning. Um, and I had been on antidepressants as well. And all of that stuff contributed to me just feeling really bland. And I wanted to, I wanted to feel something. So I was kind of on the hunt for, feel, for looking to find to feel something. And I knew I needed something, but I didn't know exactly what it was that I wanted. And I, love, I did love moving. I was at the time doing um, pole fitness, but 
I had outgrown my teacher a little bit and it's, it's just one apparatus. So it is, it just, I'd just gotten a little bit bored of it, I guess. And they, there's a saying that says, um, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And um, a post came up on my Facebook. One of my friends had been to a workshop and it was with Rod Cooper, mm. um, who is now my partner. Um, but at the time I, I had never thought of doing, you know, handstands or gymnastics rings or acrobatics. And, um, the workshop that he did just looked so fun. Um, I wished I had have been a part of it, but I rang him straight away and asked, you know, if he was doing classes cause they looked so fun. But at the time he was only running workshops and he hadn't started running classes, but I got a call from him a few weeks later and he said that he had decided to start running classes. So, um, I jumped in and I started doing some classes with him and um, so he was my, my first, you know, the, the teacher that probably I needed at the time to get me started. Mm. And he actually had a relationship with um, Declan Edwards, who owns BU Coaching and their emotional intelligence. And yeah, they're awesome. And um, he did a little workshop um, in the gym with Declan. And I also started um, taking up consultations with Declan. So I had Rod as my trainer and also Declan. And it was such a fantastic combination. I realized that when I sat down with Declan that I was kind of floating through life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I, didn't feel, I didn't feel like I had a purpose. Um, I was just kind of, you know, getting up and going through the motions, making the money, coming home. And I was, for lack of a better word, I I feel like I was unfulfilled. Mm. Um, So the emotional intelligence training together with um, starting the movement practice gave me the confidence in myself to start to explore um, who I am and who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And I I loved movement from the first time that I started. There were so many different things to try. Like for new students to movement, like the first couple of years of movement is so fun because there's just so many possibilities that you never expected to see coming. Um, The gymnastics rings was something that I had never tried before. And I was, yeah, I was hooked on that and I was hooked on hand balancing and I loved all of the soft acrobatics and the locomotion. And yeah, those first two years were just so fun. And um, yeah, so I, I got really excited about movement and um, especially handstands. Handstands was like definitely my favorite thing. Like I would practice for, you know, hours every day. I would go to class in the morning and then in the afternoon I'd practice handstands for another hour without fail. Yeah. Like I, I really wanted to be able to get the handstand. And um, I would say probably the handstand was the thing that did it for me where I was like, you know, if handstands can make me feel like this, I want other people to feel like this as well. And just mm-hmm. being a student um, at the Movement Collective, I saw other people making those transformations, the same transformations, even just, you know, they would, new people would start and they would come in and they would seem like really shy and um, quiet. And over the coming weeks, you would see a change in them. Maybe they just walk in, you know, with their shoulders back a little bit, or, you know, they've got a smile on their face or, you know, they're looking for eye contact rather than having their eyes down and they're actively seeking out to say hi to people who they haven't met before. And seeing that transformation in myself and seeing the transformation in other people 
made me want to, it made me want to teach that. Like I wanted to, I wanted to be a, a bigger part of people's journey. Hmm. Um, and so I um, studied to get my certificate in fitness, which is such a funny thing to study to be a movement teacher because um, really it has no relevance at all in, <laughs> in movement. Um, the best, the best training that you can do is to do it. And I was doing it for three years before or two and a half years before I became a movement teacher. Um, yeah, so I, I did that and then I also went and did my yoga teacher training uh, and that was kind of like a little celebration for me. I quit my corporate job and I needed to make the transition mm. and I didn't want to kind of just like walk out of one job and like walk into another one. So I, yeah, I went over to Bali for, um, for a month and started yoga teacher training and then came back and yeah, started offering private, started teaching classes. Um, and at that stage, Rod and I had actually started seeing each other as well. So, um, yeah, it was kind of perfect. Yeah, it <laughs> really sounds like this amazing journey, right? Like, um, and when you put it through there, like it, it seems to have almost been like, you know, it just flowed so smoothly, but I'm sure that like, <laughs> as you, <laughs> as you actually did it right along the three years, there was probably a lot of like ups and downs and, you know, I guess quitting like a you know, what most people might term uh, like a safe job is actually quite scary as well. Right. Because, you know, you're like, am I going to make it? Like, am I just going to lose all this money as well? So yeah, I mean, it's quite, quite interesting. Like, what, <laughs> like, was there a certain point as well where you just like sat down and you're like, I'm going to do this or yeah. What happened there? Yeah. So it's, I think it's easy now to see um, to see where I am now and feel where I am and be so happy with it. It's easy for me to look back on the journey and be like, oh, that was great. I'm so glad I did that. But <laughs> you're right. You're right. That, there were a lot, there were a lot of hurdles. Um, moving from being, you know, having enough money financially. I mean, just this the little things like I had just, um, I just bought a brand new, very expensive car, which I was really excited about. Um, and I'd never had a new car before and I'd literally just bought it. And then I was like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to quit this job and I'm not going to have enough money to be able to afford the car anymore. Um, so <laughs> I had to sell the car. So that was one very, very small thing, but even just thinking, um, working at the movement collective wasn't going to be a full-time role straight away. I was just going to be doing some teaching there and trying to start, you know, building some, um, some private clients as well. And that's not something that happens overnight. So I, mm. I really just had to, the, when I went away for my yoga teacher training, I remember one of the intentions behind my trip, even though I was spending money to do it, one of the intentions was to, to let go of my, I had to, didn't have a very good relationship with money. And I knew that I didn't, um, because that's why I had worked in a job for so long that I wasn't mm. enjoying. I had a, a not good relationship with money. I thought mm. that money was the most important thing. So going away on the yoga teacher training when I, when I thought oh, I shouldn't do it, I should just keep the money in my bank account and I should just start getting straight into work so I can start making money. Um, and that was one of the big things that made me go, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to spend this money and I'm going to go do training and this training is going to help me to be able to get new clients. Mm. And it, it definitely did. It was, I feel it was definitely the right thing to do, but it wasn't easy. Um, and when I came back, there were definitely a lot of tears. And at the time, probably a lot of regret. I thought, Oh, I shouldn't have done it. You know, I've spent all of this money and I could have kept that money and I wouldn't be so stressed now, but you know, I came back and I sold my car and you know, 
I had money, had enough money, I made it through. And it was all about just kind of trusting the process and trusting that everything's going to be okay. And that's probably one of my biggest life lessons. I think um, there's, there's a question that people ask all the time on podcasts and it's if, if you had a billboard um, anywhere in the world, um, what would it say? And mine would be just trust that everything's going to work out exactly the way that it's supposed to, you know, mm. just follow your dreams, follow your heart and everything's going to work out. Um, so that was my big lesson at that time, letting go of, my attachment to money. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's a really powerful message that one. And it's, and, and I think it's funny to say as well, because depending on your state, when you hear that message, such as, you know, like follow your dreams, everything's going to be all right. Sometimes that can just sound like completely ridiculous, right? Like someone who's like had a bad day, probably pretty tired, has this dream. And you say that is like, just yeah. going to laugh at you as, as well. Right. But uh, you know, I've had that, these moments as well where I think where you completely let go and you let intuition guide you and you have no idea what the hell is going to happen, but yeah, things, things just work out. Right. Um, so yeah, it's been really great to, to hear how you've, you've really experienced that. Right. And then transition into becoming this, yeah, I guess you were dreaming to become a, a movement teacher or how, however you want to call it. And then now, now you are. So, um, you know, when you first started as well, like you mentioned that, you know, it was only a, like a part-time role or something and you needed to get clients. How was it at the start? Like, how did you start building up like your presence, start getting actually like students? I think, I think I was very lucky in that I had been, I'd been a part of the movement collective for three years by the time I started to teach. Um, and my first clients were all movement collective clients and they'd seen what I could do in class. Um, and there are a lot of, you know, most of my clients are female and there are a lot of, women who who wanted to learn from me because I was female not because Rod's not a great teacher he he taught me a lot and I I loved having Rod as a teacher but for some women I think that it can feel a little bit intimidating being taught by a man and so I think I was lucky in the respect that there were a bunch of girls who were a little bit maybe scared of being taught by Rod um so I was able to pick up a few of those clients but um I think the, the biggest thing is it's being brave to put yourself out there and you're probably going to be shut down and that's okay. Mm. You know, doing a post on social media and, you know, talking about what you're doing and what you're offering and knowing that you might not get any bites on it and that's okay. Mm. And people are going to see that it's going to be exposed. Um, it's, it's a really, it's a really hard thing. It was a really hard thing for me to overcome. And I found that as well with my early, my earlier workshops, my first women's workshop that I'd run, I'd run handstand workshops and stuff before, but when I started moving into um, like doing specific stuff for women, my first workshop, I was so scared that no one was going to buy a ticket that I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell anyone about it. Um, just in case no one bought a ticket, which is so silly because you think, oh, okay, well, I'll just, I'll just not say anything. No one will know about it. I'll keep it on the down low and then hopefully people buy tickets. And it was, it was so silly looking back now. And I, I'm not like that now. If I'm running, a, I'm running an event, I'm telling everyone about it and the tickets are going to sell and I know they're going to sell. And even though I still did sell um, 10 tickets for my first women's event, I... I wanted to sell more, but I learned a lot in that process just by mm. putting myself out there and just 
you know, you're not going to get new clients if you don't put yourself out there. If people don't know what you're doing, they can't buy from you. So that was really, really important. So I always try to put myself out there. Um, the other thing is social media is a blessing and a curse for sure. Um, but I try to just post all of the movement stuff that I'm working on as much as I can. And also showing some of the stuff that my clients work on because I think maybe some people see some of the stuff that I'm working on and they think I can't, I'm not going to be able to do that. Mm. And that is completely understandable if you've never even, you know, done any movement or had a movement practice or even just go to the gym. Um, you might feel as though you're not going to be able to pick up something like a handstand or gymnastics rings, but I always try to show, you know, all the levels. So all the classes that I teach, I try to show all the levels and my private clients that I'm working on because they're not all working on, um, hand balancing or they're not all working on muscle ups they're working on you know they start where everyone else starts they start at foundations yeah i like this because yeah especially you know sometimes you log onto your instagram you're following these movies as well and everyone's doing crazy stuff as well so you you're like oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna post the crazy stuff but then you know <laughs> depending on the people that you end up serving as well right like that stuff could it could actually be negative, right? Like it, it could really scare them away. I, I, I love that. Yeah. That, that you're able to, to, to tell that and then actually tell the story of your clients as well through your page. So you touched a little bit about this, like identity shift and, and transformation. Um, yeah, I guess going from student to teacher as well, like how is that, you know, like you spoke how when you did your first workshop you know that was that was pretty scary as well going stepping into the shoes of this role of playing the teacher how have you found that journey so far the start of the journey was um i think it was scary because the same as with my workshops i think i felt like i wasn't i wasn't quite good enough like i could use a little bit more training um, so the, you know, the very first class that I taught, I went in and I was so nervous, even though it was funny cause I knew everyone in the class because they were all people who I'd done classes with, but I was so nervous that, you know, someone was going to ask me something that, that I didn't know how to do, or I was going to demonstrate something to do with handstands and I wouldn't make my handstand or something like that. Mm. Um, but I don't think, you know, if you wait until you're ready, I don't think you will, you'll never be ready. Like I will, I, if I waited till I was ready for everything that I'd ever done, I, I never would have done it. You know, mm. I never would have, I never would have left my job because I wasn't ready. I didn't have enough money. I didn't have a proper job to move on to. Um, I wouldn't have run my first handstand workshop because I would have been afraid that I might not get the handstand. I uh, wouldn't have run my first women's event because I would have thought that no one would turn up because they wouldn't think that I was good enough. So yeah, it was really scary. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was funny because it made me realize after my first class, it actually made me realize how much information I, I had learned um, and how much skill I had developed over that three years. Because when I went to explain a movement, it would just like come out of my mouth, like verbal diarrhea. I would just be like, and then you do this and blah, blah, blah. And then I would show it. And then I would talk about the movement and talk about the muscles we're using. And, mm. and after I would finish talking, I would go, oh, wow. Like I really, I really know what I'm talking about. I think because I'd never really, I'd never really had the opportunity to, to say it. I've just been listening for so long that the information was just all in there. And I think a lot of the students at the Movement Collective, anyone who's been going there for six months, they could probably teach a class. Mm. They, could, they probably could. They, they know the stuff. 
Um, and yeah, that's really cool. It was cool to, to realize how much was in my brain. Yeah. I'm a big fan of like using teaching as like a learning tool because I think that really like helps you. Yeah reach this deeper level of understanding, which sometimes you might surprise yourself with as well. Like uh, a lot of the times when you then it's put back onto you to go like, oh, I teach it, then it just sort of comes out. And then afterwards you walk away and you're actually like, oh, like I, I really do kind of <laughs> understand this stuff. So yeah, I, I love that, uh, that that's happened for you. Um, yeah. You know, w- with the other sort of uh, transformational shift you were talking about with how you're seeing that, you know, you would, I, I like this term that you were using before, like that you were feeling bland and then this, this, this practice sort of gave you something, something you were searching for as well. And that's something that you try to provide with, with clients. Um, because I guess I always ask myself where like this question is like, okay, like is movement practice just helping my movement practice or is it actually helping me with things outside of movement? What's your experience been like with that? So I I think movement is different for everyone and it can make everyone feel all sorts of things and maybe even things that they didn't expect to feel. Mm. Um, But the biggest, the biggest thing, the first thing that I felt in myself was confidence and it was confidence to try something that I didn't think that I could do that I realized I could do. Mm. Um, And in doing that, it was uh, feeling more connected to my body because, oh, I understand that my body body can work this way now. And I understand that my body can do these things and just feeling like I have a better relationship with my body. Hmm. Uh, So that was really important to me. Also, I find that that connection to my body was really important because before I made the shift into movement training, I was going to a a personal trainer, but just in just a normal gym, not a movement gym. And we were doing a lot of measurements. So on a monthly basis, we were measuring my body fat, my body, body fat, and we're doing tape measures and weighing me. And my focus on my body at that time was all aesthetics. So what I looked like. And so moving, moving into movement, <laughs> I, I was able to step away from that. It was funny when I first started training with Rod, I, I told him that I, I would leave my personal trainer, but, um, he keeps track of, you know, my, my measurements and stuff like that. And I said, would, would you take my measurements? <laughs> it was such a funny thing to ask Rod Cooper. And he said, no, I'm not taking your measurements. You don't need your measurements taken. And it was just the, the funniest thing. Um, but something that really stands out in my mind, because at the time it was really important to me what, the way that I looked and not that it's not important to me the way that I look now, but I think it's, it's less important because I have a better relationship with my body. It's not just about how my body looks. It's how, how I feel in my body when I move and my relationship with my body and how I feel connected to my body. Um, so going back to the question, um, confidence in myself, um, relation, good relationship to my body and feeling connected to my body. Um, strong, like strong, like I'd never felt before when I first started um, classes at TMC I was the only girl and there were like five or six guys in the class and I really wanted to be as good as the boys. Like they were, they were, they just were all really strong and I wanted to be able to do the things they were doing. So I wanted to do the handstands and the rings and all of that stuff. And um, after eight months of training, I was really stoked to get my first strict muscle up on the rings. And that was a big deal for me because when I first started movement, I think I could do one chin up and I don't think I could do any dips. Mm, So it was very exciting that I got that. And it made me feel, it made me feel really strong, especially when 
when other guys would come into the gym to start movement training and they were, you know, big boys and they were strong, but seeing that they couldn't do it and I could made me feel really great. Not that it's a competition, um, but it did definitely make me feel strong. I was like, wow, like I'm a, I'm a girl and I'm able to do things that I thought that potentially only boys could do. Hmm. Um, I feel beautiful in some movements that I do handstands when I'm doing things like, you know, pretty shapes and like back bends and stuff like that. Uh, or when I'm doing a really nice yoga flow or, you know, dance or just moving around doing some locomotion, you know, putting a few different movements together and just kind of flowing around on the floor. Um, and I think that's really important for everyone. But as a woman, I think it's really important to feel beautiful, not just, not just the way that you look, but in your whole body. Again, coming back to mm. not just being about aesthetics, it's so important just to feel beautiful and it to not be about just the way that you look. Um, and then just, you know, happy and connected to other people because movement is such a great way to connect to other people. And I love seeing this in the gym when we have uh, some of the skill work that we, that we play with at Team C, like yesterday in class, we were working on, on backbends and it's not one specific backbend because everyone is working on something different. So some people could be working on, you know, bridge circles or walkovers. Some people maybe just their bridge, maybe just doing standing arches, maybe drop backs, um, scorpion handstands, anything with a backbend. And then um, it's cool to see, you know, two people are working on the same thing. So then they kind of pair up and they're like helping each other and they're talking about their experience and mm -hmm. they're watching each other's form. And it's just, a really nice way for two people to connect maybe who haven't connected before. Um, and we we're talking before we came on the podcast about um, you said that you knew a, was it a dancer or someone? Um, and he, when he, when he travels, he looks mm -hmm. up other dance groups and then goes and dances with him. So that, that connection is really nice. Like when, when I see, um, you know, I've got friends on Instagram from all over the world. And when I see them do, you know, something really awesome, um, a hand balancing um, sequence or something, I'll comment or I'll send them a message and just say, Oh, it's so beautiful. And, you know, we have a really nice chat and we can connect over that. So um, I think that's really good too, the connection with other people, but mm. it, you know, it could be anything. You don't know, you don't know what someone's going to experience with it, but it's about, for me, it's about feeling, it's about feeling something. And it's something that I do ask uh, a lot of my private clients when they do something um, when they do something that they haven't done before and like they, you get, they get this look on their face and I, I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't know. Like, is it excitement? Is it confidence? Is it what, it, like, what are they feeling? Are they, you know, are they, have they got a memory popping up for them? And I always ask, Oh, um, how did that feel? And then, you know, I get the response. Um, because for me, it's, it's about the feeling. I like this focus with asking that question of like, how, how does that feel? Right. Because it kind of like, forces them to think about oh, like what is actually happening within within my body at this moment right like yeah. um it, it's kind of like that almost like that difference between like that personal trainer who's just like okay what's you know what's your body fat measurement that sort of thing to <laughs> to the complete other side where you're you're actually directly asking them about like this this physical presence right which is uh yeah, it's interesting seeing this shift um, from like the work that you guys are doing, maybe as opposed to more traditional fitness centers per se. But um, um, yeah, I wanted to ask about like this sort of female to male split as well, like within the community at TMC as well. Um, like what's, what is that sort of split? Is it sort of like 50-50? Like sometimes maybe because I'm like a guy as well, you know, I follow other guys, you know, I see the movement culture and, 
you know, like in my eyes, like it's a little bit male dominated, that sort, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. W- w- what's it like within the community that you're, yeah, that you guys are cultivating? Our community is, I think it's very 50, 50. We've got yeah. probably half men, half women. I haven't done the numbers, but you know, um, a few weeks ago I taught a 12 PM class and it was uh, 15 girls in one class <laughs> Not on purpose. They're just the people who happen to turn up at that time. Um, but it's usually very split right down the middle. Um, it's, it's, I don't think I've ever taught a class that was only guys. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's really split and I think it's nice. Um, we don't really, there are some incredibly strong women at the movement collective. It's Mm. not, it's not something that we kind of look at as, um, you know, in the gym, I suppose I, I can only speak for myself, but I don't really see them as men and women. I just see them as they're just, you know, they're just mm. the tribe, like all is one. Um, and we don't kind of teach progressions as, oh, you know, the girls can do this and the guys can do this because that's not necessarily the way that it works. Like if mm. we're doing, if we're working on muscle ups um, or if we're working on gymnastics rings, I'll often split the group. Um, we'll have two groups and I'll split them um, on whether they can do a baby muscle up with a push or if they can't do it only so that I can spend the time with the beginners that they need on the things that they need to work mm. on. But when we do that, you know, there's often three girls and three guys in that group. So, yeah, it's cool. It's nice to see that there are a lot of women. I like to think that I like to think that there are more women there because I'm there. <laughs> and I could be tooting my own horn, but I, I think that um, the, the fact that Rod and I run the business together and we have a good, um, a good split of male-female teachers um, in our kids and in the adults, I think that it makes it more accessible for men and women to be a part of it. I think if it was all men teaching, maybe we wouldn't have as many females, but I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, reflected within the, the teaching group, right? Like people sort of see, see it and that you guys are doing it. And just by association, whether it's an image thing or whatever, right? Like, um, you always sort of bond more to, to, to that person who, who maybe you, you almost idolize as the teacher, right? So um, I, I like that you have like this even sort of demographic split. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you whether you did notice like whether you differ your approach to, to different people like male or female or if, you know, there are certain qualities which you recognize, which you're like, okay, like I need to address that more. Maybe it's not just, uh, just the physical, but, you know, on the mental side as well, like you were mentioning before with that identity shift. Yeah. It's a really interesting question. It's something that Rod and I have talked about a lot because there are, there are a couple of ways to approach that. One is to just teach exactly how you want to teach and teach everyone the same. And the other one is to make adjustments depending on people's personality. And I am a pretty firm believer that everybody needs something different and you've got to find what that person needs to make sure that they feel, feel like they have the tools to continue working on whatever they're working on because everyone is coming from a different place. Mm. Um, everyone has different emotional needs. Everyone has different physical needs. So we can't kind of, I feel like I don't want to put everyone into the box and it's like, well, if you don't want to learn exactly the way that I want to teach it, then you can't learn. It's, it's like, you know, some people, some people learn better from verbal cues. Some people learn better from visual and some people, you know, learn through touch and everyone learns slightly different. So I like to try to find 
a way that, you know, everyone can learn from me. Mm. But yeah, um, everyone's different. Yeah, it's interesting, like these uh, teaching styles, um, because, you know, uh, when I see your classes, like you, there's so many different types of people, right? That's what I'm amazed about whenever I like follow the movement collective as well. It's not, it doesn't look like just like all hardcore movers and stuff like that. Although you, you guys do have, you know, very strong practitioners, but you have like, you know, kids, you have like uh, these people who are just starting into it, that sort of thing. So I wanted to ask you about like, what do you think about before going into class? Uh, you know, how, like, how do you sort of prepare? What goes through your mind? I don't really do a lot of preparation before class these days. Um, I kind of just walk in and, um, I mean, I always get to class about 10 minutes early. So, I, you know, I go around and say hi to everyone before class. Um, and that way, if someone's got something they need to talk to me about, they can quickly say, hey, Jenny, can I talk to you for a second? Maybe they've got an injury. Um, you know, stuff like that comes up all the time. Uh, pregnancies even we've had a few girls come through TMC who've been pregnant and they're like quickly on the download I just gotta have I've got to let you know that I'm pregnant and I can't do this this or this or I don't know what I can do so um you know if I just disappear just understand why I've disappeared so um I just you know make my way around the room just you know give everyone a quick hire make sure no one's got anything pressing that they need to talk to me about um and you know sometimes depending on depending on what's in the depending on what the content is in the class I could be looking around to think okay what are the capabilities in the class how many beginners have I got in the class um have I got it got anyone who's brand new who's going to need a lot of extra assistance so I'm kind of thinking about that ahead of time will I need to split the group up will I need to pair people up um all of that sort of stuff um but it I think that I've been teaching long enough for that to all kind of happen naturally. I don't really, I'm not really thinking about it. I think maybe it's just something that's happening at the back of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess the thing that strikes me the most when I went to TMC the last time was just like the, um, the energy that you guys are able to generate, you know? Um, and is that like, maybe it feels like a natural thing like right now, but, you know, are there points where you really sit down intentionally and be like, you know, when someone walks into here, what do I want them to feel? Because, you know, like, oh, I remember we were just watching a class and I was just like, what's happening here? Like, you know, people are just loving it, running around, you know, it, it could also almost be like a bit crazy, but then everyone's still like working on their own stuff uh, as well. So it's like this really unique balance. Yeah, definitely. And I think I want to make every make sure everyone feels welcome and make sure that everyone understands the movement. So again, that's just that looking around the room and seeing who's there and who's going to potentially have a tr like have any trouble with the programming or anything like that. You know, if we have new people, I'll definitely I'll definitely go over. Um, especially if I come in, if, if I see a new person sitting by themselves, obviously I'm going to go grab them straight away and like say hi to them, but then like move them over to the group because that's what, what tends to happen is people will walk in and they'll kind of stand on the wall, kind of like mm. almost like they're trying to blend into the wall and like not be seen. Um, and, you know, we do, we do teach our members to, if they see someone that, you know, they've never seen before, go over and say hi. But if someone's coming in with the, with the intention to hide, they will be able to hide probably, you know, they're standing up on the wall. Um, it can be difficult too in the evening classes because we have um, a lot of parents in the space as well standing around. So people might not realize that it's a new member. Um, mm. 
but yeah, just to make sure that everyone feels welcome and everyone feels safe. I think they're the, the, the biggest things. Yeah, I think that's an interesting challenge when you start growing to a size where there's like quite a lot of people coming and recognizing when, yeah, it could, it can be scary for some people that they made this effort to come, but then they, I've seen that happen before. I've done that before myself. I remember when I went to like a first gymnastics sort of class and then they were just like, they they were just like, go, go do this. (laughs) I was like, I was like, there's no way I can, it was like a, a back handspring over like a, uh, over this uh, like uh, softball apparatus sort of thing. And, you know, I, I'd like, but at that time I'd never done handstands or anything like that. And I remember just, just like, yeah, kind of doing the slink away as well. And it's kind of like this weird feeling, right? Cause you're like, Oh, I want to, I'm here. I, I want to be here to, to push myself and to do this. But um, it's when, when you're in that moment as well, especially like the fear-based moments, it's really hard to, to step up. So, um, well, one thing I wanted to ask you about as well is maybe like on the one-to-one sort of coaching side, when, when you take people on, uh, at, at the start, like what is, uh, what are the questions that you're asking them? What, what are you trying to seek to understand, um, about this person when they first come to you? Um, I want to, I want to know a lot about the person, probably more than, more than most people want to know about them. Um, I did a private session with one of the team C members a little while ago and actually, no, it wasn't, I hadn't done the private session with her yet. Um, I realized that she'd come to two classes and she, I hadn't seen her since. And I sent her a message and, um, just said, Oh, I just noticed that you haven't, you haven't been in for a little while. I just wanted to check in and see how everything's going for you. And she said that she was struggling with some things emotionally. And, um, I just said, Hey, let's catch up for coffee and we'll sit down. We'll have a chat about it. And um, this was before I'd done a private session with her, but when we sat down, I realized that her biggest struggle was just coming into classes. And she said, I don't know, I don't know, you know, what I'm even going to work on. I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. I'm, I'm scared that I'm not going to be able to do anything and I'm going to look, you know, silly in class or, or whatever. So she was scared that I was going to set her a goal that she wasn't going to be able to achieve. So the goal that we actually set was for her to turn up to a minimum of two classes a week. Um, so finding out as much as you can about a person is, is really important because you don't want to be giving someone, giving someone a goal of being able to do a five second handstand if they, at the moment, they can't even see how they're going to turn up to two classes a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I ask people all the usual questions, I guess. I ask them what injuries they've had. I ask them what they've seen that excites them, something that maybe they would like to work on, but they probably don't think that they can do that's a really big question as well that's a really fun question for the girls actually um well the girls and the guys but um usually at tmc they've seen handstands or they've seen gymnastics rings and they're like i don't, I don't know how i'm going to do that i'm not going to be able to do that so it's always a, a personal goal of mine that if they say that we're working on it in the pt and i'm going to make them do something that they didn't think that they could do and it always they, it always happens they always surprise themselves so um so that's really nice but then it's probably not until a little bit later on down the track. I mean, that other girl was an exception where I start kind of delving into them emotionally, you know, what they're doing for work and, you know, what their, their life is like. I have an online client and um, she had a frozen shoulder um, when I first started working with her um, and she couldn't lift her arm above her head. She couldn't, you know, hold her hands behind her back. She couldn't put her hair up with two hands. 
Um, she's doing all of that now, which is really exciting um, because we've been working together. But a lot of her, a lot of her issues with her body were emotional, and sometimes we would, sometimes we would sit down to um, do a session um, online, and we would end up just talking because that's what she needed. So we would talk for half an hour, mm. and she would, you know, maybe she would cry, or maybe she would let things out, or you know, maybe she, I would just listen to her, or I would ask her questions to kind of get her talking, and we found that you know, her just being able to talk um, was a way of kind of finding more space in her body that she didn't realise that was potentially locked in because we can store emotions in our body and it can cause, mm. you know, things to be locked up physically, which is a really weird thing to think about, um, but it can definitely happen. And we found like after we talked, she would she would move better. It's like she's let go of something. Something's mm. kind of been let go of and she was able to move a little bit better. But that doesn't... You know, it, it comes up sometimes, you know, sometimes it just comes up in a session. Um, there've been training sessions where I've, I've gone to do a first session with someone and they've walked in and they've just started crying just out of nowhere. I, I might just ask, oh, um, how was your day today? And then all of a sudden their tears just well up and they just, you know, they just start crying. And it could be, um, it could be a mix of, you know, the stress of potentially doing a private that they've never done before, worrying mm. about what we're going to go through, um, you know, compiled with, you know, whatever's happening in their life at the moment. And also emotions can come out when people start to move their body. Some people, um, if they have emotions stored in their body and then they start doing something like movement, that's very broad practice, moving your body in all different ways, emotions can start to come out through the movement practice. Hmm. And it's really hard because some people start a movement practice and they start having feelings come up and they don't realize that the feelings are coming up because they're moving their body and they're releasing the feelings and they unfortunately associate it with movement is bad because it's making me feel this way. Um, so it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. This is super, super interesting because um, I guess it's almost, you're really playing this role of the, the coach and not just like I'm a movement teacher and I, we're only going to do movements, right? Yeah. <laughs> with those interactions that you're saying here, like, you know, one of them is you're just talking with somebody, right? Or that person that walks in through the door and starts just uh, like crying as well. I mean, you're probably not just going to start like going like start squatting or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's not, that's not going to work. But I love this connection that you're making, which is like going like, you know, everything's contributing together as well. And, you know, with the body, after you spoke with that, that person, you recognized that that she opened up and then you know i'm sure with like the people that you work with who yeah have this sort of fearful uh perspective after that transformation then that really aids with all the movement capabilities as well like i think about sometimes you know when i'm trying to jump on something like a precision jump and the fear you can't perform it right because of the fear but then after you start like getting more comfortable then then you can start start doing it. So yeah, I think that that's really really cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, with um, uh, I guess I, I wanted to to ask a little bit about like you were sharing like your your structure of the day just the last couple of days, and I had the pleasure of being tagged into it. Right, it's very very colourful um, <laughs> cat calendar. I guess you know do. You, do you always, uh, do you have like a quite structured approach to life and practice? Like, uh, or yeah, maybe I wanted to ask a little bit about like how, how you normally like to operate. Um, 
and organize yourself? Yeah, I, I go through phases where I'm, I'm a little bit lazy with my training. Um, I think everyone goes through that, but I find that um, I have a structure now. So, you know, through the week, I do the same things every day. Give or take, depending on where I'm at with my cycle as well. Some things come out um, or some things go in. <laughs> mm. And I just find that with training specifically, if I have it scheduled in and it's the same time every week, I don't need to go in and schedule it each week. It's just repeating and I know that it's happening. Um, it's one less thing for me to think about. It's already scheduled. I don't need to be like, oh, what am I going to do today? Like I know what I'm doing today because I do the same training every week at that time. Um, and then also I... One thing that I really hate is feeling stressed from worrying that I'm going to forget something. And um, I don't have that issue anymore, but I used to have it a lot. And I would go to bed thinking, oh, what if I forget that? Or I need to remember that. Or, you know, there was a lot of stress involved in that. And it was just, it, it was, yeah, really stressful. So I just started scheduling everything in. So if I was on my, if I was on my way to the gym, for instance, and I was thinking, oh, I need to call that person about that. I'm like, oh, I'm driving my car. How am I going to, you know, remember? And then I just write a note to Siri to remind me to do that. And then when I get to the gym, I put it in my schedule. And it, it's really helpful because it makes me, it makes me schedule things ahead of time. Um, I know that I know where my training is going. I know my private's going. I know where my classes are going. And then I know where my blank space is, where I can schedule things in and when I can't. So if someone says, can you do this on this day? And I look at my schedule and I can actually say, no, I can't, but I can do it next week. And it, it, makes, it, it makes it better for me because I'm not trying to always like just squish things in. I know whether I, have, whether I actually have the time to do it or not. Um, and yeah, it just makes me way less stressed because I'm not ever trying to remember to do things anymore it's it's all scheduled in it's like if i get an email and um just say i'm you know at the gym and i've got class in half an hour and i'm just going through my emails and there's an email that's going to be a really long response email i will like schedule a time to write back to the email in my calendar so mm -hmm. it's that detailed i'm not ever forgetting to do things i'm not ever thinking about doing things um and I really, I do like the structure. There are some days that are, that are less structured. So on the, on Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday of my weeks, I don't um, teach classes and I only sometimes teach privates. So often those days will be left um, to do things that are really flexible. Mm. Um, so, you know, on a Thursday, maybe I'll, maybe I'll put some training in, but maybe it's okay if I don't do the training or maybe I'll, you know, book in to, you know, go shopping or something, but it's okay if I don't do shopping. So yeah, just kind of like leaving a little bit of flexibility, enough flexibility feel to feel like I've, you know, I've got time to do whatever I want to do if I wake up in the morning and don't want to do anything. Um, but then enough structure to make sure that I'm still progressing towards my goals in movement and life. Yeah. It's like you're leveraging off this tool to, to help you with your, your energy, right? Like the more things you have to kind of keep in your mind as well, it can get pretty taxing. Um, you mentioned that uh, this thing about the cycle. And um, I think that's an interesting area because, you know, I had Amy Kate Bow on the podcast earlier on and she talked about like, uh, you know, female training and, um, you know, adapting that according to where you are in the cycle. Um, yeah. What's your experience been with that? Do you incorporate that in with your training and what you do uh, in life? I definitely do. Um, it's something that I've looked into more probably over the last six months, but I'm always um, reading about it and trying to learn more about it. I think 
when I first started movement, I, like I mentioned that it felt really good to be, to feel like I was as strong as the boys and I could keep up with the boys. Mm. Um, and while I was keeping up with the boys, I was probably working 10 times harder than what the boys actually were. You know, guys tend to just have, you know, they have more muscle than what women do because they have testosterone and, um, there's all sorts of other advantages that guys have. Um, and it was really great for me to, to appreciate myself as a woman and to appreciate my differences. And it wasn't until I started reading about um, my cycle that I really realized, Hey, you know what? I'm a woman. I'm not a man. And I am, I am different. And that has its advantages and disadvantages, but perhaps the way that I'm training is not really suited to my body. I'm not really honoring my body. I found that I was tired all the time and my muscles hurt every night when I went to bed. And although I was, you know, I was crushing goals. <laughs> it, it just wasn't, it wasn't what I want to call honoring myself as a woman. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do now. So there are certain times in my cycle, like just before I get my period where I don't do heavy training anymore. And I, I don't, I haven't had injuries in months. I've been mm. so much better and I'm not doing intense training this is only a, a certain like two weeks of my cycle where i'm doing intense training where i would really push the boundaries and the other two weeks i'm just doing volume work you know i'm just really looking after my body and really honoring honoring my cycle it's something that is really difficult um is for a woman in the two halves of the cycle there's one half that you want to kind of go inward and kind of like be with yourself and you know kind of meditate or read or just like be a little bit of a hermit and then there's another two weeks where you're kind of like out there and like open and want to you know hang out with everyone and be social um and it's a little bit off topic but as a teacher that can be really difficult um because every week i have all of my classes and i have all my privates and i i've still got to show up i still want to show up um so it's just about for me just trying to regulate my energy on that day maybe if i have a bunch of privates to do in between the privates i'm like taking a sauna or i'm stretching or i'm reading or i'm relaxing whereas on the weeks where i'm like more out there like maybe i'm packing in more work or i'm doing training sessions in between my private sessions and my classes um with regards to, oh, I already talked about it. With regards to my training, it's just about knowing when to do volume and knowing when to do intensity sessions. Um, prior to learning about this, I was doing intensity sessions like all the time. I really wasn't doing any volume work. <laughs> um, I think that might be something that happens to a lot of people when they first start their movement practice. Um, I don't think I'm alone on that. Everyone, you know, you get excited and you want to be able to get that goal. So you're just going like 150% every time you go in. Um, and it's really fun and it's really exciting and you crush a lot of goals, but you can potentially be doing a lot of damage to your body as well. You know, your body may not be adapted to doing that much intensity. I don't think anyone should be doing that much intensity. Um, but as I said, like, as I've started to kind of back off and honor my body and honor my cycle, I feel, I feel better. I feel, feel like more relaxed every day on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm still progressing towards my goals, but I just feel like I'm not, I'm not in so much of a rush. Like I'm more, I'm more compassionate towards myself. And I think that's really important. Yeah. I think that tendency to, you know, crush it every session <laughs> isn't just, you know, like a, a you thing or a female thing, you know, like <laughs> it just feels so good, you know, when you're like trying almost like reaching that edge of your limit and you're like, ah, oh, I really want to beat that. Um, yeah. you know, when you, when you approach volume work and you maybe like cut down that sort of intensity, 
yeah, what sort of level do you reach at? Like, what do you, how do you define that sort of level? Because, you know, when you're in the session as well, when you start getting warmed up, you know, you start playing around. I've had it heaps of times when afterwards you look back and you're like, you know what? I didn't take it easy at all. I like still tried to, you know, crush it. So yeah, how do you stop yourself from, or, or walk away at that certain point to be like, no, I'm going to leave some in the tank. Yeah. So for me, it's, it's often about the progression that I'm choosing for the exercises, not just like the amount of the amount of reps or the amount of time um, with volume. It's usually um, between eight and 12 reps and with intensity, it's usually between four to six, six reps for me. But um, yeah, as I said, it's also about the progression. So if I'm working on my pulling strength um, in the, my favorite part of my cycle, <laughs> I'm just working, I'm working on pulls or I'm working on muscle up progressions or I'm doing rope climbs. So I'm doing like harder things. Whereas if I'm, on um, the other part of my cycle, I am usually doing maybe ring rows or I'm doing banded pulls. I'm just doing something that's just, it's just way easier. And maybe I take a little bit of a break in between as well. And I understand it is, it is really hard. Um, and it's really hard, especially when you've been doing it another way for a really long time. And it's really hard when everyone else in the gym is working on things that you want to be working on. Um, but ultimately I've just come to the conclusion that it doesn't serve me to do things just cause everyone else is doing them. And I know that I'm still going to progress. Um, I'm just being kinder to myself and that's, that's better because in the long run, I'm just going to be, my wellbeing is going to be better. Mm, yeah. I like that in terms of like just limiting yourself by the progression, right? Because <laughs> if you were to, if you were to go, yeah, I'm just going to go light my muscle ups or something like that. It almost like never no, works out, right? <laughs> 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 so talking about your training and your practice at the moment, I guess, you know, what's something that you've had to work through that's been really hard for you to learn or attain? Yeah. The press to handstand has been really hard. I can, on a, on a good day, I can press. Um, from the floor, but I have revisited the press, I think three times now. Mm. And the first two times that I, that I got the press, it was all just intensity sessions. Um, so this was before I started, you know, reading into my cycle and learning about, um, my hormones and things. And yeah, so they were all intensity sessions. I pushed it and I pushed it and I pushed it and I just basically muscled my way into it. But I wasn't able to maintain it for a long time because I would end up with an injury. And that happened to me twice. Um, and it was very, it was very heart wrenching. <laughs> it was really tough um, because I was putting in so many hours and so much time and so much effort. And there were so many failed attempts. Um, every time that every time that I failed and I thought I was going to get it, it would just, it really, um, it was soul destroying. <laughs> I kept going for it anyway. Um, I don't know if you can relate to that, but um, yeah, it was, it was really tough. It was, it's the hardest thing that I've, I've ever had to do. Like the strict muscle up was really hard for me to get. Um, but the press to handstand hands down the hardest thing that I've, I've ever had to do. Um, and so the third time that I decided that I was going to get it, which was only about, I think it was about six months ago, um, I decided that I was going to do it through volume training. So doing lots of volume training and only doing a real small amount of intensity training to the point where I would only do intensity training during the ovulation phase of my cycle. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know what ovulation phase is, you can think of it kind of like, 
the part in a woman's cycle where she is has energy um, comparable to a man's energy. So uh, just like a quick rundown, if you should definitely listen to the podcast with Amy because she's awesome at all this stuff and she really knows her stuff. But um, men and women's hormones are very, very different. Um, when a man wakes up in the morning, he's got this boost of testosterone to get him going through the day. So he's up and he's energized and he can do his training and he can go to work and he can be social and he's got all that ready to go. Um, whereas for a woman, she doesn't have that every day. You know, there are some times where she wakes up and she feels, you know, very drained. Um, there are some days where she feels like she doesn't want to be social. Um, there are some days where she doesn't have energy and she just, she just doesn't know what she's going to be able to do. All she can do is kind of lay in bed. Um, and then there are other days where she feels on top of the world. Like she's, she's ready to go and she's going to absolutely, you know, crush the day. Um, I'm in the good part of my cycle at the moment. And that's why I booked this interview this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Awesome. laughs> so that's something that's really interesting where was i going with that what was the original question <laughs> what was something that's been <laughs> hard for you to attain <laughs> yeah that's right yeah cool so back to that um so this time i did it through volume and only doing intensity when i was in my ovulation phase so that's the only time that i did it and um i trained for three weeks doing volume work and then had ovulation phase and then i got my press on that day um, so it was a huge difference compared to the other times where I'd trained to get my press. Um, I'd been training, you know, for maybe a few months to get to it. And it was really hard slog. Like it was, you know, training four times a week, maybe for an hour a day and just working on trying to get that end skill every single session. So, um, for a woman, I feel like it is really important to understand your cycle and for, I think it's really important for men to understand a little bit more about women's cycles as well. Not just teachers, but, you know, partners as well, because men and women are really different and we have different capacity depending on where we're at. Um, for women, we wake up feeling sometimes like a different person every day, like a completely different personality. Um, sometimes we wake up and we're angry and we don't even know why we're angry. We're just angry. Um, but for a trainer, I think it's really important as well so that you can accommodate and see when a woman's energy is down. Um, it's something that I'm very, I, I'm pretty vocal about it with women and women will talk to me about it. So, um, anyone who comes into class will, you know, they'll say, I've got my period today, or I ask my clients, where are you at in your cycle before we do class so that I can plan their lesson accordingly. Um, but if a woman is in class and she's not doing maybe like the hardest progression that she would usually do, um, for a man or for anyone to realize that maybe she's not doing it because she's, you know, at a part in her cycle where she's just not able to put in that effort and calling her out on that is not going to be helpful for her either. So mm. really important to just have that understanding and that awareness. So if you do see something that seems a little bit off, um, maybe to not like, maybe to not push at them too much, just give them a little bit of, a little bit of space so that they can do the training that they need to do to just get them through the session. Really, really love that. It's like being observant and then not being so tied to your expectation of going like, you know, this person has done that before. And, you know, sometimes when you're at the coach, you're kind of like proud, right? That your student is yeah. reaching like a certain progression. You want to push them all the time, you know, to, yes. to, to hit it next time. But um, yeah, being aware of where they are energetically. And I, I guess, yeah. you know, this is male or, or female as well, because, you know, it, it can, can shift that sometimes like just trying to really push them isn't, isn't the best answer. Yeah. yeah guys can have bad days too. It's not just women. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but I think I think for women it is it is really important because it's mm. you know it's um, it's something that's going to come up all the time. You know, in in a class if you're teaching, you've got half men and half women. It's pretty likely that one of the women there are you know are, you know on their period or the week before their period. So super important. I think it is. And when you walk into a training session for yourself, you know, do you have any like? Uh, rituals that you do, you know, at the start or at the end to finish off? Um, I don't really. Um, I like to warm up my spine first. I think that's um, a really nice thing to do, but I would do that anyway. Like um, I do that when I'm waiting for groceries. <laughs> it's like <laughs> spinal waves or like some, just some rotations. Um, but I, yeah, I think it's good just to get the whole body kind of like moving a little bit before I, I get into um get into doing my practice. Uh, it's funny that you just said rituals and it just made me think of when I first, uh, when I, when I do try to do my press to handstand, um, I have like I have this funny little ritual that I do. I think a lot of people do. And it's kind of like, you know, you get down, you put your hands on the ground. Oh, there's a little bit of dust there. Let me just sweep that away a little bit. Okay. Put my hands back down. Uh, my fingers spread the way that I want them to be spread. Oh, they feel a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe they're too far forward. Maybe they're too far back. And it's, it's just a funny thing. I'm sure people have it with them, like other people have it with other things. But for me, um, the press, it's like this funny little ritual that I go through. I'll adjust my toes. I'll adjust my feet. I'll put my hands down, take a big, big breath in, take a breath out and press. <laughs> I know the feeling. It's like, it's going to be like this perfectly clean, <laughs> flat piece of mat, which is going to yep. be bedded because any, any little thing that could be there may ruin the attempt at doing the press and that's the worst, right? Because then you kind of press nothing happens and then you fall over and cry. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. It's really important for it to be um, the perfect experience. Hmm. Um, actually, it reminds me a little bit. I'm reading, I'm reading a lot of books about um, relationships and sex at the moment. And um, for a lot of women, for them to have an orgasm, they need to have the most perfect experience. You know, they have to have the right sheets on the bed. The light has to be exactly right. Um, the guy's got to say exactly the right things. We've got to go exactly the right pace. It's all got to be, you know, very perfect. She's got to have adequate notice to make sure that she's prepared and ready to go. And um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a little bit of my Preston handstand. It's got to be got to be perfect. The mood's got to be right. The lighting's got to be there. Everything's got to be on. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't have much to say to that. I'm just going to laugh. <laughs> uh, and how, how much of your practice is, um, I guess, more solo based versus like uh, structured or done with others, right? Because I guess you have a great community there at TMC, you know, you're surrounded by all these other teachers, peers, and students. Um, when you, when you look at your programming, like for yourself, is a lot of it uh, very solo or do you also have like these sessions where you're like, no, I'm going to be working with somebody and doing like more partner work or more group work? Yeah. Um, so I would say probably 80% of it is on my own. Um, for a few reasons, um, just the way that my life is structured, I find it hard to find the right people to train with at the right time because I train it random times through the day um i do have friends who occasionally i can train with and we'll train um together which is really nice some of the teachers at tmc uh sometimes rod and i train together as well which is really nice but a lot of the time it, it's on my own i don't i don't really take very many classes at tmc 
anymore because when I go, it's really hard to not be the teacher. Um, if I'm in class and we're working on handstands, people will ask, they'll ask me questions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, if I'm doing my, if I'm, if I'm training, I kind of just want to be there to train. So it is, it is really tough to do classes there. Um, but I really like, I really like one-on-one -on -one training. Um, and I've done a lot of one-on-one -on -one training. Actually, I'm going to start some training again. I was doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one training before COVID, but um, I haven't taken it back up again. I was doing um, gymnastics and ballet one-on-one um, -on -one sessions, which is really awesome. I, I like I like the class environment, but I, I get access to the class environment when I teach. And that's more about being social and being in a big group. And that's really fun. Um, and I also get to see what everyone's up to and where everyone's strengths are and what they're working on. And that kind of makes me think, oh, they're getting towards doing that. Oh, I need to pick up my game. I need to start working on that too. Um, just so I can kind of, you know, keep up and give myself a little bit of a challenge. Um, we've got a lot of people uh, at the gym at the moment who are able to do muscle ups and some of the girls have started stringing multiple muscle ups together. And when I was my strongest, I could do six muscle ups. And so I set myself a new goal um, to try to work towards doing 10 muscle ups. Um, so if I, if I wasn't in, perhaps if I wasn't in a group environment, I wouldn't see other people doing things and I wouldn't set goals like that for myself. So I really do enjoy being in the group environment from that aspect, but for really working on the things that I want to work on. I find that one-on-one -on -one training is so good because you get that instant feedback. You know, you've got someone there watching you the whole time and not that, not that teachers aren't watching their students in classes. They definitely are. But if you have a class of 15 people, you're not going to be able to spend the whole class with one person. Your time is going to be spread out. So I, I really love one-on-one -on -one training. And I also love just working with myself because I can work to, the, the time schedule that I need to work on. So, you know, if I need a little bit of extra rest, I can take a little bit of extra rest or if I want to push a little bit harder, I can, and I don't have to worry about what the other person's kind of doing. And yeah. do you have like a coach or a teacher at the moment or do you self-program? Where are you at? Uh, at the moment I self-program, um, but I am going to grab a, go back to my training with my gymnastics coach and my ballet instructor as well, just because, I, that those things are not um, the things that I'm learning and not part of my repertoire. And I don't think that I can teach myself those. Um, and it's mm -hmm. really important to me. I, I really enjoy, you know, strict controlled movements. That's something that, you know, I really enjoy. Um, the other stuff I'm, I'm not so good at. So I do enjoy doing that as well. But if I'm going to do it, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it well. Um, and having the right teacher, I think is really important. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what, what, what do you consider sort of as your sort of great greatest strength um, when you play the role of a teacher as opposed to like when you're playing the role of a student? Well, they're very different things. <laughs> <laughs> um, playing the role of a teacher, I think that some of my greatest strengths would be observing, observing where people's energy is. I think that's one of my greatest strengths and wanting to wanting to celebrate with them on every little thing. I think the whole reason that I got into teaching was because I saw my own transformation and I saw what movement did to did for me. And it's funny because people think when they first start training with me, they'll do something and they're like, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. You can do this, this and that. 
Um, but for me, uh, every little goal that anyone makes is very exciting. I mean, you know, I remember the first time that I did it and then when I see someone else doing it, it's like I'm reliving that experience and I'm just so excited that they're in that place that I had been in. And it's, it's very exciting. Every time someone gets, you know, their first five second handstand or, you know, they get their first five second top support or, or whatever, whatever it is, I, I feel like I'm probably really, really excited, more excited than they think that I'm going to be. Um, <laughs> we had a, um, we had a teachers catch up on the weekend and we did some filming with all of our teachers and our, one of our kids teachers, Paris has been working on her muscle ups and I saw her working on it um, about a week ago and she'd gotten past the transition. She was like ready at the bottom of the dip, ready to push. And she just couldn't push hard enough to get her arms straight. And it was so funny. Um, everyone was doing muscle ups um, so that we can do this little video where, you know, we have a sequence of lots of, lots of the teachers doing muscle ups. And she said, I'm not going to be in it because I can't do the muscle up. Um, and I said, Oh, you know what? You can just like, just have a go and maybe we can use a part of the muscle up that you can do. You can do the negative or you can do this or whatever. And um, she got up and it was so funny. Um, I said, maybe you'll just get it. And we had like the camera in her face and Rod had his phone and someone else had their phone and she got it. And I just screamed. Like I was so excited for her because when she got up there, I just remember, I remember the first time I got up and I was like, just ecstatic. I was so excited and so proud of myself that when she got up the top, I was screaming more than what she was screaming. Um, so I think maybe some people are a little surprised at how excited I get about the little goals. And I think that's really important, you know, to have, to know that, you know, you're proud of yourself for doing something, but, oh, the teacher is super proud of me. And mm. I think that's really important. Yeah. I think sometimes like I myself sometimes forget to celebrate like the wins big or small, especially because sometimes it feels like, Oh, you know, I got to move on to the next thing. Now it's the next thing, the next thing. And I also try and remind myself when, you know, you finally get this thing that you've been working for, for so long. It's like, take a moment and really like, you know, pump your fists or go yeah. like, you know, this, this was something good because, I think sometimes that can get forgotten, you know, because maybe you're comparing yourself to other people or yeah, you're, yeah, you're seeing sort of like what could be next and you're just like, okay, onto the next piece of work, onto the next piece of work. And you don't really take the time to then go, oh, you know, that was great. <laughs> so funny. I, um, I was doing a, um, I was at an event last week and it was a self-talk seminar and I did a, a little speech and I was talking about, um, uh, some of the things that I talk to myself about, some of the positive self-talk that I use. And one of my examples, this is not really move well, kind of is movement related, um, was parallel parking. Because in the beginning, when I first started parallel parking, you know, I would drive around the block like 10 times until there was no one behind me before I'd even attempt to do a parallel park. So when I get a really nice parallel park now, I am like so stoked to myself and I'm like almost like giving myself a little applause and, you know, bowing to the other cars on the road and I'm just super stoked for it. And it's because I remember the journey that I went through to get to the point where I can do a parallel park on the street and, um, mm. and not be scared that people are going to be beeping at me while they're waiting for me to park. Um, and um, yeah, not really movement related, but I guess car parking a car is kind of a little bit movement related. <laughs> yeah, you're moving the car, right? So you know. <laughs> <laughs> There's some skill involved in that, some movement skill for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you know on the flip side to this strength i guess uh, what's one area which you've recognized that you, you would like to improve maybe that's such to say like as as a teacher yeah um as a teacher 
Well, as a teacher, I think there are probably times where I could push people harder. Mm. Um, I like to, I do push people. There are some people that I do push and I try to, I try to decide who are the people who need to be pushed that day and who is ready to be pushed. And um, I try to push them, but potentially I don't push everyone as hard as what I could. Um, Maybe sometimes as well, because I do feel like I have a really good awareness of where people's energy is. Maybe I take some of that on board a little bit too much. Mm. You know, maybe um, I'm potentially leaving the class and thinking that person seemed a little down or they didn't seem with it today. Like, and I'm hoping that, you know, everything's okay for them. Maybe I send them a little message or something, but I think as a teacher, it is really important to try to try to protect your own energy and not like to take on other people's, other people's stuff, you know, mm. be there to support them and, um, and to teach and to lead, but to try not to, you know, you know, take on, take on all of that stuff. Um, I don't, I think that's maybe not even just as a teacher, but you know, as a person, if you've got friends who are going through something really tough um, to try not to take it on board. Actually, in in a relationship um, with Rod and I, you know, if Rod comes home and he's had like a really tough day and, you know, maybe he's a little bit quiet or, you know, just not really feeling his his normal upbeat self, it can be really hard for me to say, okay, like he's going through that, but I, it doesn't have to bring my energy down. I can still like keep my energy mm-hmm. up. And in fact, if I keep my energy up when he's is down, he's it's potentially going to help to lift his energy. Um, so I think that's really important, you know, as a person, if you're, you know, if you're feeling good, you got to maintain that, you know, that feeling and, um, you're going to be a better support person if you're able to do that. Mm, yeah. It's kind of like, yeah. So funny these energies, how like you can be influenced from others, but then if you're strong at the center as well, then your energy can influence theirs instead. Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, you know, with your practice now, I guess what sort of, leading you what what are you searching for like because i guess you know you've been doing this thing for a while as well um you know you mentioned you want to go back to the gymnastics and the ballet what do you say to yourself in terms of going like yeah like how do you determine what to learn oh god (laughs) (laughs) oh that's a can of worms um i don't think i'm ever going to be done with hand balancing i think that is one of my biggest addictions and I'm always going to love it. It's like my first baby. Um, I'm, I'm always going to be working on hand balancing and I, I really like hand balancing because it's so, it's so versatile and um, never ending. Um, I could go on forever and I could never maybe potentially ever get to the highest level of hand balancing, which is very high. Um, so I'll always work on hand balancing, but then I'm always trying to keep, my movement practice versatile as well. So I still want to maintain um, some really good muscle. So still working on, you know, leg stuff, even though I don't really um, enjoy, you know, doing leg conditioning very much. Um, it's good for me to maintain that sort of muscle. I like um, a little bit of Olympic weightlifting as well. I think it's really just how I feel at the time. And that can change all the time. There's, mm. there's really no set, set thing for it. I think that was what was really great about the start of my movement journey was that I had a really great teacher and I didn't have to decide for myself. It was nice kind of just to walk in and be like, all right, what are we learning today? And then jump in and do it. And that's, I guess that's why I like having 
um, teachers. It's why I like having, you know, my ballet instructor or my gymnastics instructor, and then they can just say, okay, today we're working on this and that's what we're working on. And all the stuff in the middle is just, you know, making sure that I'm maintaining, you know, good mobility and good strength in my body, no matter what I'm working on. Yeah. Nice. It's like, again, you can just like offload that process to, to somebody else. Right. And so that you can just, <laughs> you can just focus on like just doing this thing. And then, you know, you, you, you learn from that rather than, yeah, I guess the other approach, like trying to learn gymnastics all by yourself or something like that, it would be, well, one, I'd, lo- I'd love to see if you, yeah, <laughs> like you can do that. Um, two, it'd probably take you a, a very long time. No. <laughs> there are some gymnastics things that I learn on my own. Like I, mm. I figured out how to do, you know, the back and front walkover and stuff on my own. And there are things that I have learned, but it, yeah, like I say, it's just nice to, to not have that extra thing to think about. My life can be pretty busy sometimes. So if I don't have to, if I don't have to think of everything, if I can give some of that to someone else and outsource it, I think that's really great for my, my physical and emotional health. Mm. And if you could, you know, take a like time portal back to like five years ago, you know, when this was all sort of starting, what piece of advice would you share to your younger self? I don't know if I necessarily have a lot to say. I think, I think when I first started looking into all of the stuff that I know about my cycle now, I may have potentially thought, oh, I wish I had have known this then. You know, I could have, you know, um, started my movement practice being more compassionate towards myself and not getting as injured. And that would have been really great. But that time in my life really served my movement practice as well. Like that's when I got my, you know, the first year when I was getting my one minute handstand and when I was getting my first muscle up and when I was doing, you know, a lot of the really, you know, big, exciting movements that um, kept me kind of in the movement game uh, and made me really confident in myself and made me think that, made me realise that movement could be a big transformation for me. So I don't think that there is anything that I would say. I think that I look back on my journey and I love every part of it. Mm, Awesome. Awesome. You'd just be a silent observer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'd just watch and be like, ooh, <laughs> there's some fun stuff coming up. <laughs> yeah. And so you mentioned at the start, you know, a range of projects that, you've been, uh, that you're working on, you know, you're going to run the re- retreat, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, what, what's plans of, you know, things maybe outside of TMC that you want to get started or are, are planning to do? Yep. So, um, so this year I had intended to run a, um, a women's a big women's workshop every month and they were going to be free and I had a bunch of other teachers coming on, but I really wanted those events to be, you know, like 50 people for an event (laughs) because they were free events and I was really excited about them. And I suppose because of the virus, I didn't really want to facilitate events that big. Um, Even though it's not, there's not, I don't think there's any cases in Newcastle at the moment. I just, just didn't really feel comfortable doing that. So I put those on hold um, and that's why I launched my handstand course because I had some extra time, but I do want to launch another handstand course um, coming up before the end of the year, hopefully. And that will be a, um, I've got an idea for it. It's handstands with friends. So it's a course that you could do with, you know, someone that you live with or your best friend, if you're able to go to your best friend's house Um, because it's, it makes a really big difference having someone to spot you. Um, or having someone to watch your technique and um, correct your technique. And as we were talking about before, 
makes you a better um, a better mover when you teach. So mm. if you and a friend get together and you get to start teaching each other, you'll learn more about handstands together. So um, that'll be the next course that I will release before the end of the year. And um, I'm actually um, developing a clothing line at the moment, which I'm starting off with some cool movement pants. Um, they're going to be unisex pants and they're kind of like, um, they can be like a full length pants pant or a three quarter and they're like just really stretchy and people can move in them really easily. Um, and I know things like this already exist on, in the market, but we have a lot of guys turn up to TMC like for their first day wearing footy shorts or something that's like board shorts or something like totally inappropriate. And they um, were like, we don't even have a Lululemon in Newcastle. Mm. So it's actually, it's actually pretty tough to find, you know, a good pair of movement pants. So that's something that I've started developing. Hopefully it will launch by the end of the year, but there's a lot of stuff that's kind of holding that back with the virus and with, you know, getting the samples in and the material and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then the retreats, um, I'm running a women's retreat this month and hopefully we'll run another one in November. Um, and they are, I just, I love working with women. So <laughs> I'm just running some really nice retreats. Um, and it's, it's movement and connection. So we'll do like, you know, breath work and we'll do yoga and movement and, uh, maybe some dance and meditation and journaling and all that sort of stuff. Um, other than that, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other things that I'm not thinking of, but you know, there's a lot of different plans that we've got happening for TMC as well. And um, yeah, it's never ending. <laughs> yeah. It's, it sounds like, you know, you're, you're just juggling a lot. It's amazing to see that you're still coming up with like so many different ideas, right. And able to maintain the energy across all of them. Um, I was going to ask you about the pants because, you know, we did talk about those last year and I was <laughs> like, when are these movement pants going to happen? Because, oh, you know, <laughs> it's been so tough. Um, cause I've just, I'm just waiting for the new samples to come in, um, mm. with a lot of factories getting closed down and that sort of thing. And then, um, not being able to get the material in and not being able to get the samples from overseas because it's just really hard to get things posted at the moment. Mm. It's just really slowed down. Actually, I was supposed to have the pair. I was supposed to have the pants probably about six months ago. Um, anyway, <laughs> yeah. I, I actually went to see a psychic, um, a little while ago, it's slightly off topic, but I went to see a psychic and she, um, the first question that she asked me was, Oh, what's the go with these empty clothes hangers? I said, what, what do you mean? She said, are you trying to launch a clothing line or something? What's going on with that? And I'm like, Oh, and I like told her the whole story. And she said, that's okay. Because you needed the, like you needed to launch your handstand course first. This is something you've been putting on the back burner for ages. That's the most important thing. I'm glad you've got that launch. It's going to be great. And then the pants are going to come later. So yeah. It's happening. <laughs> right. I'll be I'll be patiently waiting. <laughs> waiting, you're waiting. I'll send you a pair when they come in. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, um, yeah, thanks so much for your time today. I guess, you know, for people who maybe want to reach out and find out um, a little bit more about you, get into sort of contact, what's the best way for them to send you a message? Yep, cool. So uh, on Instagram, I am Jenny Moves, which is J-E-N-I-M-O-V-E-S. Uh, also look up the movement collective that's uh, mine and rod's gym yeah i highly urge anyone who hasn't heard of the movement collective check out what they're doing because it's really great to see so yeah i guess just keep on continuing guys i'm really excited to see what sort of new things you guys dream up of it's always um very very exciting um and hopefully i'll be able to make it there before the end of the year oh i hope so thanks so much for having me on it's been fun chatting
That's it for today, guys. Thanks to Jenny for jumping on the podcast. Her and Rod are doing a great, great job with running the Movement Collective up in Newcastle. So, yes, please, if you guys are in that area, check it out. It's an amazing facility. And it was awesome to hear her journey about how she got into all of this and then her insights both within her practice and then also with her approach to coaching. So I thought that had a lot of interesting points Thanks to you guys once again for sticking around, listening to me, listening to the guests. I always appreciate it. And if you like this podcast, please share it to a friend, spread it, you know, post it on social media. That really helps me get the word out. And if you want to get in touch with me, ask me a question, maybe even recommend me a guest. Please send me a message on Instagram. You can find me at P. That's at P-H-A-O-N-P. And I'm all ears. That's all for today and I will see you in the next episode.